0: the 4 Everyday Disciples podcast, where we share the good news of how much God loves us, how we respond in love to Him, and how we reflect His love to
1: our neighbors.
0: Hi, friends, and welcome to the 4 Everyday Disciples podcast. I'm Giles. I'm Zach. Hi, Zach. What is happening? So we're in a new year. We're starting in a new year. We said we'd be back on this podcast. Uh, And we are. We are. You totally flaked on me last week. I thought we were going to do one, but this one now we can say, oh, we're actually doing one in the new year. So I I think that actually works out in our favor because we're like, oh, we're starting in the new year, not the last day of December or whatever last Friday was. Which Um, was totally
1: my plan. Yeah. That's what I was going for.
0: Yeah, but uh, the cool thing is, right, we got to actually see each other.
1: That's Uh, right. Yeah, we just did just a couple weeks ago. You showed up. You came to church on Christmas Day, which is a big debate among Christians. I know, right? You did, and you showed up, and so I appreciate that about you. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming.
0: Was it about being at church on Sunday and some kind of duty driven by, you know, uh, Christmas being on a Sunday, and I'm going to be dedicated to going to that? Or was it the fact that Although I love my in-laws and my family that it was like, this is like a break of time that I get to have being somewhere else. And I don't even really care what's going on because it was literally so cold that I felt like this is an opportunity for me to be out of a space, which is not a large space. And there's a lot of people there the whole time. And I was like, if I can get this break, I mean, I probably would have showed up for anything, but... It was good that it was actually church. So I think that there was some redeeming aspects to it. (laughs) Right and nobody can argue with you. That's the beauty of that one. Right. Nobody can argue with you when you're like, oh, I'm going to church.
1: (laughs) That's right. Oh, really? Church? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Jesus' birthday. Come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Aren't there other things that we're supposed to do on Christmas? Like the most important things like opening presents and yeah, well, you know, <laughs> Jesus was the greatest gift. So, <laughs> so, sure so, okay. so I know that you're, I know that your uh father law has pretty strong beliefs and rightfully so about it only happens like every seven years and it is like, yeah. can't we go to church on Sunday? So I was glad that you guys did a service on that day. And I know I also though, understand and appreciate that, If you're working in a larger church, it's maybe one of those times that you actually get to have off some time with your family, right? Because there's always so much work involved in those things. So I get that too. Like I,
1: I get both sides, I guess, of that argument. Yeah. I just, I think it's funny. It's an argument, you know, if, if your conscience is going one way, then if the spirit's leading you one way, go that way. If the spirit's leading you the other way go that way. I know that's how I feel about and it. And
0: I think that most, I mean, I, I was not here, I think that most churches were having uh, at least Christmas Eve services for their Christmas, so it's not like yeah. they were neglecting yeah, that right. weekend <laughs> the some whole services, weekend, yeah. the whole thing. But, talking about neglect, I think I do have <laughs> to talk a little bit about uh, the lack of yeah. healthy options on the Cracker Barrel menu. And that's I... True. I actually researched this after (laughs) being at your place and having Cracker Barrel because I was making even the assumption that maybe this is just a Western Pennsylvania thing that they have removed healthy options because pretty much every other restaurant around there doesn't seem to have any healthy options, but it seems it's actually a nationwide. If you go on the menu for the nation, they don't have any healthy options. And how did I figure this out? Well, you know, I've been not so healthy through the holidays. Yeah. Typical. But I'm going to say I've been, I'm going to say I've been spiritually healthy, right? Cause I, I always I, look at, I'll put my ears before bed in regards to that. No, I'm joking. But I would say that physically, if this body is a temple, it may be a fat temple right now. So <laughs> I, I felt like, okay, I'm going to try to eat healthy. And I knew that it wasn't like there was a lot of options. Yeah, you right. and I wanted to get together with uh with our wives and have a nice meal with each other for a yeah. breakfast before we left a Goodbye breakfast. Yeah, a goodbye breakfast. And so Cracker Barrel was convenient to our location it's on the way. It's on the it's way on the way. And right. so we went and I'm looking to the menu and I'm like, OK, do they just have something that a little bit healthy? I'm looking for the lighter fare section <laughs> of the menu. <laughs> Not only uh, does there seem to be no, no lighter fare yeah. section of the menu, there doesn't seem to be a lighter fare section of the restaurant. If I'm being no. honest, true, true, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, right. so, and, and uh, so I uh, asked the lady for a substitute. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> and so I said, "Okay, look, it can I just substitute an egg? So, like, I have I'm getting eggs and a protein." And that's what I was right. gonna eat because they didn't have really. I mean, if Healthy. they did have, if they did have fruit on the menu, it would have been coated with something like, oh, uh, yeah. like right. uh, what are those apples that are like fried apples, which the that's menu. not even fruit at that point. It's just Honey. a sugar bob. Yeah. So yeah. I was thinking, okay, can I just get that subbed out for this side? Which here were some of the choices for my side. <laughs> One was biscuits and gravy. There ain't no way that's ever going to be healthy. Like, I'm like, okay, so no, nope, I can't have that. Another one was like a cinnamon roll. There was literally nothing. There was no like fruit bowl. <laughs> I don't even think a fruit truck shows up at that place. No, of course not. <laughs> the only fruit maybe there is in the syrup. If they have like a flavored syrup and I right. don't think that's fruit. <laughs> so I asked her, can I substitute? Now look at, they're actually making the better end of the deal here. I know eggs right. are expensive right now. Yeah. If you compare it to like the cost of biscuits and gravy, the egg is going to be cheaper than that. Yeah. And she says, no, we don't do any
1: substitutes. <laughs> so I basically was like, well, I guess I can't have anything then <laughs> for a side. Yeah, your, your demeanor did change a little bit when she said no. <laughs> it, was,
0: it was kind of funny. Remember, I, I, was, I, was, I was telling you that story about let's put some cash on the table for yeah. her tip. <laughs>
1: Yes, for the tip, and
0: and start removing it as we hear the negative things coming back uh, for the service. So she's like getting a visual representation that I'm actually unpleased. Not that, as you just said, my demeanor changed. Not that (laughs) with me, I totally wear my emotions (laughs) on my sleeve. So, so it's very apparent I was not happy with this certain situation. Yes, obviously, I felt I felt like you and uh, you and Cassie though. Uh, where, had it made the commitment for health (laughs) at that point? Because it didn't seem like you had any problem ordering off the menu. (laughs)
1: Well, and I don't go to Cracker Barrel for health. I go to Cracker Barrel for, (laughs) if I'm getting breakfast, I'm going for pancakes and syrup and French toast. Like I know what I'm going for. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no. So from our perspective, and I mean, everybody else at the table, when you ask for the substitute it was like a split second, but it felt like a long time. And I was just waiting with bated breath to see what she was going to say. And then she said, no. And then it was another split second before you figured out what you wanted to do. But that also was like, Oh, it was almost like, is this going to happen? Is there going to be a fight in Cracker Barrel? Is Giles going to say, Nope, I'm not going to, I'll just stick with the water and the coffee. And uh, I'll just have and water and coffee. It. <laughs> That's it for me.
0: No, I, uh, I also felt there was like, listen up city boy you go back to your liberal bastion <laughs> and just like get out of here like yeah, we don't do that we don't do that here there's no right. special order this you eat what we give you yeah it's america, we eat, america You eat america. what we give you you're not ordering special on the menu because mm. it was funny that there was like literally we don't do this i'm like uh, i'm yeah, not that was asking surprising. for you to like Go to France and get me a baguette. I'm asking you, can you literally give me one extra egg? That was it. Yeah, we can if we charge you for it, but you can't substitute it. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. So yeah, I just was, uh, It it made me really think, what are the healthy lighter fare options in Western Pennsylvania? And maybe it does not exist there, period.
1: <laughs> There's a Panera about 20 minutes up the road you can get some healthier options. There. That's
0: true. You can, you can. Yeah. And by the way, 20 minutes by car, maybe a couple hours by uh bike. And if you biked, it'd actually be a really healthy option. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Actually, if you biked in any of that area, it would be a really healthy option because it's certainly true. hilly. True. There's certainly no lack of Hills.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, not at all. And,
0: the, but you'd probably be fearful of dying all the time because the roads are also narrow. Yeah. You'd literally get killed if you were driving, riding a bike through town. <laughs> so, and not very well maintained either. So, oh, no. yeah. Well, I'm sure, you know, East Coast, there's no corruption in government. So, I'm sure that all the money that is for roads is going to exactly what it's for. So, uh, but that's just me, city boy. I need to leave. I need to not be part of that. That woman was giving me a very quick farewell. Like, you don't need to be here. So, when I left, there was no parade. Nobody was, nobody, people, if there was a parade, it would have been exciting that they were excited that I was leaving because they're like, we don't need your type around here. So,
1: <laughs> so yeah, they could tell, right? When you walked in, they could, well, they could tell, right? tell, I could tell that in. they could tell you could, right? No. Yeah. Hey, uh-huh. but, uh,
0: but I gotta tell you, I did love our time together and I always wish for more of that. And I know though it that good. it's, you know, we, we live quite a bit of part, but. We try to make it happen when we make it happen. So it was really nice to see you. And at least we get to see each other on this podcast, although it's through the video and it's through the multiple mic issues that we had today before we got on. Uh, but I think, I hope we're actually recording something here because it's going to be very awkward if all you hear is Zach's voice, which I do see is registering. Mine is not, but I hear it. Nice. So I'm assuming it's going. So, um, but we wanted to do something new today uh, yeah. as we go into the new year. We were thinking, what is a way that we can really affirm and sort of share some of the work that everyday disciples are doing? And so we thought about, hey, let's just have a new segment called the POP segment. And the POP stands for the person of peace segment. So I love it. This is, yeah, this is going to be, we'll share a little story about an everyday disciple uh, who's making everyday, who, an everyday discipler who's making everyday disciples. and. We're just going to share a bit about what they're doing and affirm them in it Um, because it's really cool to see what God is doing and to see how the disciples are out there working and being creative uh, in the different giftedness that God has given them. So today I'm going to share a story about a young lady called Jen. Um, She is in grad school and as she was, as she's been attending, um, it's even the church that I go to, as she's been attending the church that I go to, she noticed that there seemed to be a lack of a community for individuals between really the ages of say twenty four and early thirties, uh, either singles or young marrieds that don't have children, but sort of in that adulting what we what the what Barna would call the adulting stage, um, and that there didn't seem to be anything really for them specifically. And not saying that they don't don't appreciate, obviously, the church and going on Sundays and a lot of them serve, but even when they were serving or doing those things, they didn't really feel like they were having real community with some of their age mates. So she felt this for herself. Uh, She really wanted to have a community of other young believers because for her, one of the struggles, which seems to be pretty prevalent for all of them as we sort of listened to some of them last night for her there's this thing about when i am say with my peers in school cuz she's in grad school or when when i'm with my peers at work that a lot of them aren't believers and i sometimes feel alone like am i the only one in this whole environment so what if we had a community or created a space where believers that are you know if you're going to church between the ages of 24 and 30 Honestly, you're already a statistic that's pretty low because that's actually a big time when people are not young people are not in church. So she's like, well, what if we started figuring out a place to gather, um, do some social stuff, which is awesome because I think that's also a missing component. Like actually let's have time dedicated to get to know each other and then have some time for actual spiritual formation of ways to actually be discipled and equipped to go out into our world and have an impact on those that are around us. And so last night was her first night. She sort of had come up with a plan. She had gone through it with us just to sort of check and see, because we'll help her with some of the spiritual formation stuff. But it was just awesome to see her, first of all, leading in that and just the boldness that she had. And then it was really neat to hear the feedback about how, these other young people were so excited about what was taking place. And we had a pretty good turnout for the first time. It's making me very concerned because now we're going to have some logistical issues in regard to space. But it's just so cool. You know, she's a disciple. She hadn't really ever started a disciple group yet, like in the official way. But this is something, hospitality is something that she's passionate about. Uh, Her age mates is something that she's passionate about. And this is allowing her to express her faith, and to disciple others in a way that she is contextually taking it to these individuals. So it, it was just, it's really cool, this cool what she's doing. And I'm just super excited. And we just wanted to affirm her and congratulate her on living out the discipleship in the every day. So what do you think about that, Zach?
1: Oh my goodness. that uh, That's so cool. When, when I got to the church I'm at now, I was... Uh, mid to late twenties, and um, I totally felt that that like, there's not a lot of people around here that are my age, my peers. There's some, some are at totally different stages. Some are married with kids. Some are just married. Some are single. And there's like, like we have youth, we have kids, Mm -hmm. we have older adults, and, and but there's nothing for like for me. And so, um, I'll be honest, it's been this whole time that I've been at this church where I've been trying to crack that code. How do you get like, like um, and people have now grown and new people have come into that and we've tried over the years, but um, to establish like that kind of a ministry, um, to create that kind of a community for people. And I've seen um, some of our, uh, our young people in that age group who have found that in other churches and they'll go there. And so then I always feel like, Oh man, what, what did we lose here? I wish, I wish. Um, so we're trying to figure out how to do that still. And it's still on the back uh, on the, in the back of my mind. So um, this is totally exciting. And I, I'd love to get the details on how this worked. Cause I, I, I want to do something like this. I mean, this is just something that's been on my heart um, and my church, but um, gosh, nowadays, even with that age group being so uh, not averse to church, but so wary of church, mm-hmm. like, what if this is the way that we can help, um, help people come back to the community of Jesus, um, and show them that it's maybe not something that they that they you know it's not something that they maybe grew up seeing, and turned out to be hypocritical or turned out mm-hmm. to be something that um, that is harmful, but is actually something that um, that they could thrive in. So so this is awesome and well, uh, great I gotta tell me. you what was amazing to me, you know, because I, I look. at Oh man. So whatever. Like you are so old. I know. Yeah, you want healthy stuff at Cracker Barrel. You're on a different level.
0: Yes. I want a different level. But what was really, what I saw last night was I didn't see one person on their phone. Yeah. I oh, saw engagement. Awesome. I saw people having real conversations I saw. So there were some people there that are like, it's cool because they've come to church. They're sort of even newer believers because they didn't even really grow up maybe Christian. And it was like after college, they decided, you know, they somehow had, had an impact by the church or something and they're there. And then there's these other younger people that are there that have obviously had a longer journey. And you could even see in some conversations, mentorships, like even starting in that. And it was like really mm-hmm. neat to see, cause it was like, wow, if we can just let them have this time. So The way we've set the way that Jen is going to set this up, which I love, is like basically the first hour is going to be social, sort of like food stuff. Second hour is going to be spiritual formation, which is great too, because then if we invite people in to speak, or uh, it just is like people will know that that's the time we're doing that. And then the last hour is again like games or engagement stuff where they can just talk some more and maybe even talk about the stuff that they've gone over. But we're bookending, it's like almost like an Oreo cookie. We're bookending the spiritual with this relational which they really want they really want these relationships but they're certainly not adverse they do want the spiritual too and it gives them like sort of a structure but it's very organic at the same time and then we're our hope is it's going to be all led by them pretty much so they'll be the ones that do the teaching or the instruction um, during that hour and we'll help equip them if they need to be helped equipped in that but then it'll be them teaching each other which I think is gonna be very effective too, because it's not like, I think a lot of youth, let's just be honest, even that age group, I think a lot of it is a voice, a lecture from a stage.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: But they don't feel necessarily they have a seat at the table. And that's actually very, they want a seat, mm-hmm. they want to contribute. And if we miss that by just keep creating things that are like, let me tell you how to live your life, let me tell you, give you a lecture. Those truths are going to come out as people are in God's word, but you're letting them have these conversations and relationships and discussions and building friendships even that are existing outside of this space. Uh, And that's where she has been so creative thinking about this, thinking about her own needs, but also really having a heart for discipleship and for uh, Christ. So you're, it's like the perfect combination of the person to do it right there, that age. But she also was like the Barnabas Paul kind of thing. She's also like, but I do want to have a mentor and it gives me more confidence, confidence, knowing I have you guys like knowing that I can come and say, Hey, what should we do here? How should we do this? And just having that safe place for her as she leads. So We're excited and I do want to share more with you. And that's what I want this pop segment to be is that as anyone out there that's listening hears these creative ideas about how people are discipling in the everyday, it may be something that spurs you on and, and or something that encourages you. And then we would love to, you know, hear from us. hear from you, not hear from us. What do you hear from us? us Too much hearing from us, but we'd love to hear from you too, even about what that may look like for you. And we'd love to walk with you guys through that kind of stuff. So always feel free to uh, contact us. We'll make sure to put a contact down in the show notes, but feel free to contact us if you have ideas about how you would want to serve or things that you're doing so we can share your story here on the podcast. So that's the new segment. It's called the pop segment, the person of peace. And we're excited about it. Zach wants me to put in some kind of musical thing. You may get it in this podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. You may not. <laughs> so we'll see. We're just a, a Coke being poured out with the fizzing and everything, you know, being poured out. Oh, like now, this? see, now you're
0: giving me anxiety and you're putting pressure on me because I feel like I have to find something now. So,
1: well, good. That's that. Hey, you know what? That's kind of like what we're going to talk about today. That is exactly from the master plan of evangelism. I wasn't even trying to lead into that,
0: but yeah, well, wow! How does the spirit? How out. does the spirit work? Right, That's right. or just foolishness? Um,
1: so, yeah. what chapter are we talking about today? Okay,
0: so today we're going to be talking about delegation. So, mm. what is how delegation? how as disciple makers and how did Jesus? How did he delegate? So, like Jesus. Coleman says that we empower others to participate in discipleship by delegating, giving responsibility to them. So where does, like, I love how early on in the Gospels, uh, there's a pretty quick delegation. And I don't even think there's even like a knowledge of like, well, what is this even, like, what are you even delegating me really to do? But can you share with us, Zach, maybe a verse of scripture that sort of talks about delegation early on in scripture?
1: Sure. So in Matthew 419, it says Jesus called out to them, the disciples, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Talk about confusing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By the way, does this remind you of when we like start a discipleship group and we're like, here's our expectation. You're going to be discipling other people. And the deer in the headlights, like, what are you talking about? Like, cause it's like it's such a process, right? right. It's such a process. Oh,
1: yeah. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I think um, I, in my Kaleo group that I've been leading, um, we talked about that right from the beginning, like a goal is for you guys to be equipped to go out and teach your own and, um, and dead silence usually. Like, <laughs> oh, OK, sure. Right. OK, I guess that sounds fine. And then now we're almost halfway through. And I and we I've, I talked about it again. Um, and like there's actually engagement with that. Like, Oh yeah. Like you can see people are like feeling um, better about that kind of a thing because they have, you know, 16 weeks of, of training and and uh, engagement with the spirit and then there's still 16 more weeks to go. So um, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally see what I, you're saying. I
0: feel like this part of this story too, and I've never experienced this in my Kaleo and I, I don't know if you have or not, but I feel like, I do want sometime one person to like be like Peter and basically like fall down and tell me that they're not worthy because I just want that experience. (laughs) I don't know. Not that I'm not that I'm Jesus, but hey, if we're we're supposed to imitate Christ, can you at least maybe I can get some of that too, right? Like, uh, yeah, you're not worthy, but let's do this.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) Nice. So Jesus says, come follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. So he says that at the beginning of his time with his friends, but how soon after being called were the disciples expected to like carry out the work of Jesus?
0: Well, that's a, that's an interesting thing, right? Because I think sometimes we think that disciples were like immediately being given some pretty heavy duty responsibilities, but they weren't, Yeah, they're were right. really given, you know, pretty simple, minimal tasks. One of the favorite ones I always feel like is when Jesus will tell people to like do party planning, like either go get the party planning or go get me a donkey or do something like that. Like There were a lot of menial tasks that Jesus was giving his disciples. He was starting out slow in that way because he was really doing a lot of demonstration himself. And I think he didn't, he just knows how we are. And he didn't want to overwhelm them with really heavy responsibilities, especially if they were not in the correct posture of the heart. And one of Mm -hmm. the things that when we give people maybe simpler things and we see, and I know that this is in my own spiritual journey, this is certainly true, that when we give maybe people a, a more simple broken down task, and they can be obedient in that, then we will grow that and it will build upon that. And I think Jesus really did that with his disciples because it was always a process of growth. But it was, I'm not throwing you in at the deep end. I'm actually going to, yes, give you a very serious challenge right up front and maybe shock you even with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then really, you're going to be watching me for a year, a couple of years before I even call you to do anything that is really like ministry focused in that way. So um, I think that's really what we see. I mean, before... They were driving out demons, feeding large crowds, even being sent out to heal and to do the things that they were doing. They really were doing just a lot of those menial uh, processes. And if we think of like the parent-child relationship, here's the best part for me. I always love to use the analogy or pull analogies from a book in regards to parent-children because literally I have no kids. So it's like, I can talk like I have some kind of knowledge of this, but I don't, but But I I remember Jesus himself saying, you know, uh, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. So I'm going to pull that card out right now and say that it's sort of similar to the parent child thing, right? You're teaching simple things early on. As they grow in mastery of them, you go to more and more and more complex things. Or just as a student in general, that's the way we typically grow. And so Jesus knew this. And so he really started the disciples off in this way.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, continuing on with the parent-child analogy, um, he's patient, but then Coleman points out that there's another way in which Jesus is like a parent, um, shepherding or guiding or teaching their children, and he makes, um, a point, he spends some time in the chapter on this other way, and and what was that other way that Jesus was like a parent to his disciples? He really gave some pretty
0: specific Hmm uh instructions. Yeah. Even when he sent them out. And again, weirdly, some of them are sort of weird because maybe contextually we don't really understand it. But again, I think there is this whole component of obedience. When you are told by Christ, when you're told by God to make a step, you may not fully understand why he's asking you to do that and but the thing is, maybe you're not This is what faith is about. And so I think that there is a trust component that's taking place here. I think that there are Faith components, testing, but in a positive way, like testing to see, like, are you willing? You know, uh, right. you know, if you yeah. love me, you'll obey me, kind of things are going on. And we see it a couple times in Luke. Uh, can you in Luke 9 especially, can you share maybe a couple of those uh sections of scripture?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in Luke 9, uh verses three through five, Jesus told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And then a little bit later in verses 13 through 14, Jesus replies, you give them something to eat. And the disciples answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And of course, this is talking about the feeding of the 5,000 and how Jesus is going to meet those needs. It's an interesting contrast between what he just said in Luke, 3, in Luke 9, verse 3 versus in Luke 9, verse 13, right? The attitude of the disciples.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because you would think that in uh, the earlier part that they would have learned some kind of like lesson about trusting him for provision. Because what right. is he saying? He's literally saying, "Do not take anything." And he was asking them to really do some miraculous things uh to trust other people, to trust him. And they you don't hear any like pushback. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't. Of course, there's like yeah. cont- like you know, the disciples like us were known to complain. So I'm not, I'm pretty (laughs) certain there probably was, but it is interesting that they show the pushback in Luke uh, nine, 13 through 14 in the feeding of 5,000. And this is actually where there is some supplies, not maybe what they would think is enough, but what can we learn about this? We can learn that we can trust Jesus to give us instructions and to equip us as well. And we may complain a little bit or even question. And I, I, you know, I, not that I think that God's really like great with complaining, but he's certainly okay with questioning. Sure. But at the end of the day, if he tells us to do something, you know, your best bet is to be obedient to that. So right. I think that what we can see from this scripture, these scriptures is, is that this is the disciples we're learning to trust that mm-hmm. we as disciples are also and as followers of Christ are also always growing in how we are to trust God. And sometimes it may seem menial, especially early on in our journeys. Um, And even later on in our journeys, it's not like we get past the menial task that God may call us to do, but it's just about that obedience. And um, you know, in scripture it says, you know, if we're faithful in those little things, he's going to allow us to do more and be, to see more things and be with him in more of those things. And so I think that that should be something that we have a piece about. We don't have to have, and I know our culture pushes this so heavily. We don't have to have the 10-year plan Mm. necessarily about where I want to be spiritually. Unless we can, of course, have some maybe, I know I want to be further along than where I'm at right now, but it really is about that day-to-day, that every day being faithful in the things that God calls you to. And then knowing that he's going to stack on that, that he's going to build that out to what he wants it to be. And it's just requiring our faithfulness, whether it be the small or the larger, it's about the faithfulness. So um, Jesus told his disciples where to go, who to see and what to do all on a daily basis. Right. Right. Um, And he provided for their needs. And if we read the Lord's prayer, right, it says my daily bread. So we're Mm -hmm. talking again, that daily provision. And he does for the same for us. If we obey and trust he, and, and we know that he's going to do the same things because those are his promises.
1: Uh, Are you, uh, are you caught up on the chosen?
0: I am not. I have only watched the first two episodes of the latest season.
1: Okay, perfect. Uh, Cause I think it's episode two, isn't it? Where he, basically says this thing in Luke where he's like okay now you guys are gonna go and uh, maybe it's in three I can't remember but um well thanks for spoiling it
0: I think it's in three because I haven't seen that part yet
1: well well
0: I don't know if you're really spoiling it
1: spoiler alert Jesus also dies I don't know if you know I I didn't know if you knew
0: that I didn't know if you knew that I know I I think I know the overall story but you're spoiling maybe when it shows up in the chosen (laughs) but that's okay
1: okay uh, but don't worry he comes back spoiler alert
0: too um, by the way um, we needed to hit spoiler alert so for people to put like something on the podcast and not listen to it if they haven't watched it yet so
1: well watch the show but if you want it's I, anyway I was just going to say that when that point comes up where Jesus is sending them where he's telling them here's what I want you to do and here's what I want you to take um, the reaction is so interesting um, and uh, and uh, and it's like, they're really wrestling with it. And then, uh, and uh, and they're not like, it's just, it's just, I think it's just done really well, but it's fascinating to see because you can just instantly relate to if Jesus had just said that to you, you could point to any one of the guys in there and they all kind of have different reactions, similar, but all kind of different. Um, some feel like they're a little more prepared and ready to go because of their past life. Others are like, I don't even know what you're going to talk to me. How could I do this? Um, and then he pairs them up and that's fascinating too, to see that. But um but it's so it's just, yeah, like you just relate to if Jesus told me to take nothing, what would I do? And the way the episode ends, I won't say how it ends, but the way that episode ends is, is just, it's awesome. Um, but you should you should watch it. And we're not sponsored by The Chosen, but maybe we No, we're not. Way. But maybe now we will be. No, I doubt it. Yeah. It would be an
0: expectation that there would be those questions at that earlier part of Luke, that it would not that it just showed up when they're feeding the 5000, but they were just struggling with trust the whole time uh, and um, and growing in that. So let's not be too hard on ourselves when we struggle with some of those things or wonder what those things are. But let's just remember that every day we get to wake up and have an opportunity to be obedient to Christ. And I think if we can just take those steps and not overwhelm ourselves, it's really how we learn to be present with people. It's really how we learn to be obedient in the simple and then the more complex things. And it's really how we share Christ, I believe the best with other people because the presence is so critical. Just like we were talking about with our pop individual today, that concept of we need this social time to be present with each other there is a real benefit to that, and that may be one of the big things that people miss out on a
1: lot in their Christian walk. Yeah, and I think too, um, if I understand how patient Jesus is with me when He asks me to do things, <laughs> that I'm like, "Oh, can I do that?" Um, then, if I'm the discipler, then I can uh, I can be patient with with those who I'm trying to lead as well. And I think that's important to point out as well that um, I think it's something that Coleman's trying to get at, too, is um, in this chapter is is the need to be like Jesus. Like he took it he took it slow, like we've already been talking about, you know, it was years before um, the disciples were asked to do things, uh, certain things, you know, after they had been given um, the small steps Mm -hmm. towards mastery. So, yeah. Um, so continuing on here, then as the disciples were faced with their own mission that Jesus was going to send them out, um, and they had to consider what they were going to do, how they were going to react. And then when, you know, when they got out to their mission field, how they were going to respond, um, what could they look back on from their earlier times with Jesus that was going to be helpful in guiding their steps? Basically what, what, what could they, what could they follow? What method could they follow? Well, I know that we could like look at scripture. We will hear in a second, but I do wanna I wanna throw a shout out for
0: um, Mr. Miyagi because look at Karate Kid, great example, right? So Mr. Miyagi's given Daniel all of these different simple, right, repetitive yeah. instructions. Yep. Right. And then when it's time. When the time comes, he basically changes his speech and says, okay, now you go and do these things. And it was like in competitive environments. Yeah. Um, and Daniel, by doing all that repetition had grown comfortable with all the movements that were required yep. for a karate. And he may have thought I'm washing a car or I'm painting a fence and the disciples, they may have been doing this too. And they're watching like, like Mr. Miyagi, they're watching Jesus do all of these different things right and they may be wondering how possibly can i ever get there but jesus is doing all of this really good instruction and teaching right where he's teaching them things about obedience where he's teaching them reliance where he's teaching all of these different things so that when the time comes he's demonstrated all these things for them but their posture uh i would almost say some of their default actions are now working in the right way because of all of those steps that he has taken through the process. I, I know people probably didn't think I would throw it a karate kid reference, but this is the best episode yet. It's or the an best analogy. So is this it's the one we're going to be called the one that's about the karate kid? Yes. That's uh, but really, I mean, If you talk about demonstration and delegation, that's a great visual that you can get is from that movie about him giving all of these different tasks that did not seem to maybe always relate to what the mission was. Sure. But then when the time comes, they've been watching him, they've been doing these things. It's like they have been equipped. They have been prepared by watching him heal, feeding people by freeing people by praying by the sacrifices that he's making, that he's calling them to make, that they're able then to go out and start doing the things and being like Jesus, even if it wasn't always so direct. Even if it wasn't like, let me show you exactly how to do this. He was showing them all the ways of, or maybe the kind of person that does these things. So I I think that's... uh, (laughs) I like I like the analogy. I like the analogy if that's the correct English word because I'm no good at English, so it may be some other thing. Uh, but I like the analogy, and I think in Luke four when Jesus is discussing his own purpose, if he had started with like, if he had tried to nuts and bolt this necessarily mm-hmm. with the disciples of let me show you exactly how to do this, where would their reliance have been on? Yeah. Uh, and I think the way that he did it was just genius, but from day one, he's basically saying, here's my purpose. So what what is that he says is, is his purpose?
1: Yeah, in Luke 4, 17 through 21, he says, or the Bible says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. and he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing.
0: And so this hmm. purpose, right? this purpose was the purpose that he desired for his disciples right as they followed him and for us as we follow him. So who are disciples? Well, disciples are men and women sent by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the same work that we read about in Isaiah for which Jesus gave his life. If you Mm -hmm. want to know that's what a disciple is, so how that manifests itself may look different based on giftedness, based on abilities, based on where we're at and the plan that Jesus has for that. But it's knowing that we're sent, meaning there's an obedience component in there, knowing that we're empowered by the Spirit because of the love of Christ and God, and knowing that there is work to do because it's about the kingdom. So, I mean, if you can put yourself and say, ask those questions to yourself, am I doing these things? You're going to understand I'm on mission the Great mit- Commission, as we say, I'm on mission for the Lord. Right. Right. Now we get so, to the fun
1: part, though. Yeah, right. So <laughs> Coleman um, points out then, considering, if you if we seriously consider um, that last part you talked about, doing the same work for which Jesus gave his life, so doing the same work that Jesus did, and considering what the Gospels tell us um, Jesus faced um, constantly throughout his mission, even at the expense of his life. Um, there's this other aspect of ki- of kingdom work that Jesus actually warns his disciples about because um, he cares for them. Coleman points out it's because he loves them that he, he warns them about, but it's something that's not maybe so positive uh, at face value. But uh, but what does Jesus warn his disciples is going to happen if you are sent Empowered by the Holy Spirit and doing the same work for which Jesus gave his life.
0: We should also then expect to be attacked in the same way that Jesus was attacked. Um, We have an enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And so thus we can't imagine that that's not going to happen. Because if we are following Christ, being like Christ, being obedient to Christ, we are going to be threatening those powers. So right. we should expect hardship because we're in this temporal place right now where sin, there's a ruler of this world, there's things going on, there's sin. And if you are walking in righteousness and holiness with the Lord, I just read that in Ephesians today, you, you, you should have an expectation that there's going to be hardship. Here's the thing. We don't seek it out. Hmm. We're not looking for hardship. <laughs> we're not looking for punishment. There's nowhere in scripture says, go seek it out. But we should expect it. So how do we then, you know, should we, we need to think about how do we be prepared for that? And what I mean by that is how are we equipping ourselves, the armoring up, uh, being resilient? Um, Those are all things that are critical uh, to being a disciple as well. And that's where some of the disciplines really do help. Being in God's word, journaling about how God is sharing what he's trying to reveal to you, what you're supposed to do about it, trusting and relying on Jesus. Though if we don't do some of those things, we're neglecting really we're neglecting a lot of a lot of protection that mm. Christ will actually give us even in the hardship by forsaking some of those relational components with him by not being disciplined in those things. And I, that's just I know it's hard for sometimes people to hear because it it's like, well, I don't want to make, you know, maybe my Bible reading, like just a practice. What always cracks me up about that, though, is every person that's ever told me that I'm like, well, how is that going to be worse than you not reading the Bible at all? Like, I don't understand, like wherever in your mindset that you're not going to do something because you're worried about something that may happen. I'm like, really? You think that that's where the concern is, is that that's like saying this. I mean, for me, it's almost like the exact same conversation like this. I'm not going to I'm not going to drive even though I want to go places and do things and I'm not going to drive though because if I drive then what if it happens that I become uh just too serious about driving and I'm not enjoying it anymore Like what? Like where where would that even why would somebody even say that? Like we would think that was a ridiculous conversation. Yet we allow people all the time to use that as an excuse about why they don't why they're not in God's word. So I think if we're gonna equip ourselves for hardship, we have we have to first of all expect as it says that as Coleman says, expect that's gonna happen. Second yeah. of all though, prepare ourselves and equip ourselves right. by daily being in a relationship with Christ <laughs> and not forsaking that. You're not yeah. going to get the fill up by just going to church on a Sunday, and that's all your spiritual relationship. Don't think that you're going to be prepared for hardship when it comes against you.
1: Right. right. Yeah, well, that that just harkens back to last time, right? Demonstration where Jesus um, showed his devotion constant and consistent devotion to and persistent devotion to prayer and uh, not just when he needed things or but but simply just being in communion with the father so that he was prepared um for whatever came that day and then his devotion to um the study and application of scripture which led then to his missional work so um Obviously, all these chapters build on each other, so this is no surprise, but um, this is exactly what Jesus has been showing them for three years is that this is what I'm doing so that you know um, when it is hard, when enemy, the enemy comes against you, when you are attacked, when you suffer um, for my namesake, then you know um, where to go and you know um, what to rely on in those moments when you feel defeated, or when it seems like there's no hope of victory, or that evil wins, or whatever you want to call it, um, that you are uh, well prepared, and, and like you said, well armored for um, for the fight. I mean, there's a fight. <laughs> and uh, not that we necessarily go looking for it but that we're prepared for it when it comes like Jesus was i mean and we pointed that out last time too where his method was he walks into a situation and usually the fight comes to him and then he responds
0: so well it is um, not like it's not like 300 years later after the death of Christ that suddenly persecution is happening oh right for christians right it's it was pretty, pretty quick. quick like after yeah. after jesus right after has died is risen has come back for his little time you know has shared
1: with back the disciples three, right three right i eight. mean
0: we're we're now moving into acts where i think there is a great example though of someone who has prepared themselves yeah for hardship the way they handle the situation is like christ
1: uh, but that's from Acts 7, verses 54 through 60. Uh, it says, When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears Interesting. And yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, Hmm. receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep.
0: Hmm. All right. I don't. And maybe you're a better biblical scholar than I am, but. I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says that Christianity is supposed to be safe. Mm-mm. And I would say that in most parts of the world, maybe we're a little bit, I think we're a little naive here and maybe a little bit uh, too comfortable. But in yeah. most of the parts of the world, it's not. So, right. I mean, would you agree with that? Do you see anywhere where it says that Christianity is as far as this being attacked or persecution is supposed to be safe, that we're supposed to be protected from that if we're Christians?
1: Uh, I mean, absolutely not. Jesus says what I experience, you will experience. And if you follow me, then uh, are the servants not greater than the master, right? So how can those who are disciples of Jesus expect to be treated better than he was? Um, And obviously the... The way it's written is that it's rhetorical right you can't you can't expect that there's the obvious answer is if you're a disciple of jesus you will experience what jesus experienced um which was rejection and and uh uh hardship and suffering and um yeah rejection well
0: and you know the gospel the true gospel it's
1: okay For
0: some, it's going to be a very sweet aroma. It's going to be highly attractive. For others, it's going to be totally like a terrible uh, experience as they hear the good news. Sure. So if we know that, that's going to bring just what you said. It's going to bring, it was the same with Jesus. There were some people that were so attracted to the good news, right? Good news. That's what gospel means, good news, right? But at the same time, this good news wasn't such good news for some people. And they were not attracted to it, and they were actually in high opposition to it, and had a mindset of murder in regards to it, and thus a crucifixion of our Savior, thus the stoning of Stephen, thus the multiple martyrs that have died for their faith, because power, or, you know, the it's in opposition to the gospel a lot of times. So Mm -hmm. it should, it should make us question if we're feeling really comfortable all the time. (laughs) Are we? And I'm not saying that you're not protected and that there are not things going on and that, yes, I understand all of those things, but you do have to ask if I'm feeling no struggle and no suffering ever and no attacks ever. Am I actually living out anything that's even worth attacking? So uh, we should never compromise on the gospel. And that means that it's going to bring on attacks um, because we should just, we should trust Christ as it constantly says, we should trust him. And so we should know that, look it, if he says this is what's important, um, we have to take that incredible good and incredible benefit of it, but also take the hardship parts of it as well. We can't just want one side and not the other.
1: So yeah. Thankfully, the spirit though, just like it did with Stephen, will be victorious in the end and empower empower us, dis- empower disciples to um face those challenges. I think that's um I'm well supposed to give hope and encouragement. I mean, even Jesus relied on the power of the spirit through what he went through and um that same God is still working today in his disciples, in his church and his body of Christ. So. And nobody's journey is a vacuum. So I, I right. want to also share this right now because
0: there is a lot, and I in no way uh, deny the power of the conversion of Saul to Paul. And, the, and it's an, the road to Damascus, it's an incredible uh, God moment. And some of you may have experienced that yourself, uh, a moment like that. But if we look, The way that Stephen handled this situation, when you talk about testimony,
1: Saul's
0: (laughs) journey started way before his road to Damascus experience. And I'm not saying that he wasn't still out there persecuting the Jews, persecuting the Christians, chasing them down, uh, murdering them. I'm not saying he wasn't doing those things. But the fact that we see this mentioned in Scripture, that he was the one standing there, and he saw Stephen respond and act in this way. How could that not have had an impact? Certainly. Of, first of all, asking the question that we should be having people ask when they see us why did Stephen respond that way? Who is this Christ that this individual, while being stoned to death, is asking for forgiveness for those that are stoning him? I. I There's so much power in what Stephen did there. And the fact that Saul is mentioned, let's remember, we're all on that kind of journey. So it's not like, yes, you may have this giant moment like Saul did. I typically say that because I had a big moment myself. But here's the thing, guys. It's not because I was special, it's because I was hard-headed and hard-hearted. So it's not let's not put it like, oh well, he had this moment with God because there was something so special about him. Saul was hard-headed and hard-hearted. And yes, God had a plan for him and a purpose. But Saul needed the smack in the head. Like <laughs> he needed he needed to be blinded to make that kind of decision. Uh, And to go through that full process, but already his heart, I believe, had been already being turned because he had witnessed something that when that moment happened, those things probably back and probably came back to him of, I I know who I'm persecuting because I saw it myself and I heard a guy respond the way that Christ would have responded. I'm going to finish up today and sort of just wrap us up, Uh, summing up, what does delegation for everyday discipleship mean? Well, one is our objectives are the same as Jesus and we should communicate them clearly to people that we disciple so that they may remain on mission for Jesus. That's number one. That's a good objective. This is what Coleman has said our objectives are. Number two, we ourselves must learn and continue to learn to follow Jesus as we lead others. Number three, Jesus has a purpose for each of us in disciple making. So we involve our disciples in the ministry. Jesus commands us to go and make disciples, and that is obviously clear delegation right there. Um, number four, we should give our disciples specific examples, and just like we were talking about earlier with how Jesus did, of how to lead other disciples. And it may be in simple ways, it may be a more complex, but we should give him those ways to do it. Number five, we call out their gifts and skills so that they may use them to serve Jesus we should continue to strengthen and encourage each other as we walk together. Jesus shared his ministry with others and we should do the same. So these are really five things about how we could sum up or how uh, Coleman sums up delegation. And Zach missed some of that, but he's back. So Zach, are you there? Uh, I don't know what to do. He doesn't know, know, what do. know what to do because I've taken part of his part <laughs> and like I just ran with it. But uh, we wanted to make sure there wasn't too much of a gap here in our conversation, because sometimes when we try to record again, we run into more of a problem than just letting Zach disappear for a bit and then, uh, and then return resurrect, resurrect from the dead of the uh, call to being back with us. So Zach, um, any final thoughts on delegation? And also if you want to close us real quickly in prayer, I think it's been a really great day to day talking about this. I think that it's been good to sort of, Introduce this pop, uh, sharing those examples, and then also if you're looking for healthy food options, <laughs> Cracker Barrel is probably not your choice.
1: Uh, and also you could watch Karate Kid and get a great lesson in Jesus and how, oh, his yes, absolutely, work. yeah. <laughs> and the follow up show Cobra Kai actually works really well too, so it does just it watch does. it all. Uh, yeah. So final, final thoughts. Um, As if you are discipling or seeking to disciple, then delegation is um, something that you are going to be called to do and to be like Jesus. And I would say be encouraged if that thought of delegating like Jesus would or, um, Helping others, guide others towards um, growth in Christ, the way Jesus would. If that is, uh, if you if that's a heavy thought, then um, please be encouraged that, like we talked about a couple chapters ago, this is all done in the work of and power of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, not our own. And if you find that you are doing it on your own power and you are burning out, or you are unable to see growth or accomplishment. Um then I would encourage you to go back and seek the guiding and the wisdom of the spirit um, because that is the way that um that any of this gets done. Thankfully, it's not up to me, it's not up to my power because my will would never be strong enough. I know there are people out there with stronger wills um but ultimately, that's not the way that Jesus um... That he he doesn't want you to be a disciple that way, and he doesn't want you to disciple others that way. He wants you to um, follow his path. And then I would also just point out again the um, this idea of patience that Jesus had. Like I mean, and it's I mentioned that scene in the Chosen, and you can see it when he's talking, and they're like saying, "Well, I don't know if we can do this," and Jesus is just so patient with them. Um, And uh, that is key, um, I think, for your own heart as a discipler. Not to expect too much too quickly, uh, and not to be uh, discouraged if those people you're discipling aren't maybe where you think they should be or aren't you know growing as fast as other people. Like, um, don't let that discourage you either, um, because everybody's different. And I think we've talked about that a little bit here. But the Spirit is working, and um, and and the wisdom of Christ was to show, um. Was to show people how to be like Jesus in uh, in 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 their way in their time. So, um, I would say that, yeah. Just just um, be patient with yourself um, and trust in the power of the Spirit as you are seeking to delegate.
0: Zach, thanks for those final thoughts today. So, I will close us now in prayer. Lord, we are so grateful to be able to be obedient and follow you, uh, and we trust as you say that you will make us fisher of men that you will show us by demonstration and then delegate to us the responsibilities that you call us to. So Lord, we pray that this week as we go out, that we can continue to practice to be those everyday disciples, uh, and just in our workplace, in our families, in our homes, uh, which maybe your workplace and your home and your family are all in the same place. But Lord, in all of those areas, just allow us to speak truth in love to those that are around us and just offer Christ, show Christ to the world. Amen. See you guys next time. And it was really good being with you this week. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.